0: So very cool, that's happening uh, a a little later uh, uh, today. Uh, Now, is he a handsome guy or what? I'm not sure what it is, but I go, that is a good-looking man. Uh, We as a church family uh, uh, would like to give them a little gift. Nothing extravagant, but we're thinking uh, uh, maybe send them away for uh, a, a weekend. So if you'd like to contribute to that, the easiest way is just write a check and make a notation or write a check and put it in an envelope and just make sure you say uh, Heather and Michael or, or something on that if you want to contribute. But when they get back, we'd love to just give them a little wedding gift from uh, from the uh, entire uh, church family. Well, it's good to be with you. Now, I know golf has been mentioned, particularly Johnny and I playing against other. Each other. I mentioned several weeks ago that Johnny and I were not going to reference that ever again but it's only because I thought I'd never beat him. <laughs> so yes, you can understand why it's coming up uh, 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 again. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Julie and I were in Wisconsin uh, with our kids, David and Casey and our grandkids and we had a, uh, a, a fabulous time. We're going to be going to Christmas Nice to see everything already up here decorated, but we're going to be going to Christmas uh, next week and uh, uh, be talking about God's great gift of his his son. So we'll be taking a break from Ephesians, but today we're going to look at one of my favorite texts, uh, a, a key text. And what I want to talk about is why I'm wholeheartedly devoted to the church. And the foundation of that comes from today's text, but uh, uh, I haven't always been. I've gone to church my entire life. You guys know my dad was a pastor, most of you. I went to everything. When the lights were on, we were there. And my basic experience of of church was uh, it was dull and it was boring. And my basic assumption about God is that he was dull and he was boring. And I remember going to Sunday school as a kid, and it just felt like what I did all week at school. They sat me at a desk. They lectured to me, or they did notes. And I had a notebook, and I had to write down stuff about God, beautiful truth, but it just wasn't appropriate to where I was as a kid. So all it did was bore me. I got all the way through high school and eventually into college, and uh, I had two real interests in life. One was basketball. The other was Girls. And I had two things that motivated me. Four years in college, though I thought I was a Christian, I didn't really go to church. I wasn't interested. Church was dull. God was dull. I thought I was a Christian, and so I didn't actually participate in church for four years. Now, you've heard the tell the a story, though. I'm going to go, I mean, church is okay, right? Church is just... It's good, but it's just dull. I mean, I assume there's something good because it was such a core part of our life and nice people, but it was dull. I come to faith in seminary of all places, and my life is turned around. I discover this joy in Jesus, and he actually fills my heart more than basketball and my wife. I became more excited about Jesus. I start reading about the church and the scriptures, and I'm going... Men alive, look at what we're called to be. But it hadn't been my experience. I get to my first church, wonderful people in a small town in rural Iowa. (laughs) They loved me. They had never met a guy like me, right? (laughs) They had never seen a guy like me, particularly in the pulpit. And they were wonderful people. And a lot of my assessment, I want you to understand, was rooted in my immaturity. But they weren't that interested in Jesus, it didn't feel like to me. They had a community, they were nice to one another. They liked getting together. Potlucks, the only place I've ever lived where the potlucks were fabulous. These, wow, they were great. But I was there for three years and I decided I wasn't gonna be a pastor anymore. I didn't love Jesus any less. But I'm going to go get a job. I took out three jobs I was thinking about at the time. We had three young kids. My wife, who's followed me everywhere, she goes back to teaching full-time to pay the bills. I go back, and I'm studying educational psychology at the University of Minnesota for a year. And uh, I'm either going to become a child psychologist, or I'm going to teach something in high school and be a high school basketball coach, I love that, or a lawyer, I actually filled out two law schools' applications, and I wasn't going to be for the defense. I wanted to be a prosecutor. But I'm there in this small little church. hears that I'm not doing anything, and they say, "Hey, will you come preach?" I remember Don Bruschi invited me, and he preached one week, and he said, "Would you come back next week?" I said, "Sure." I preached the second week, and he said, "Would you come back uh, 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 till the end of the month?" I said, "Sure." I preached the third week, and they were looking for a, a pastor, and uh, uh, after the third week, he said, will you just preach until we find somebody? I said, sure. They give me $200 a week, I come and preach, and then I go on. So as they were looking, they came to me twice and asked me to consider being a pastor. Been there, done that. Wasn't interested. Loved Jesus. But if these churches just want to get together and hang together and not really passionately pursue Jesus, not what I'm so interested in. Now, over over, uh, that year, and I finally did accept the role, but it took a year. And the key is the truth that Paul conveys in this text today. Church, (laughs) come on. We are so far from perfect. I'm so far from perfect. Pain, I've never met anybody that hasn't been caused pain by being a part of a church family by somebody. There's an old quote. It's often attributed to Augustine. It's not from him. never been able to figure out who it's from. But it explains my view I had then and the view that I still hold. The church is a whore. But she is my mother. And we live with that tension. Here's the truth that's got me wholeheartedly committed to the church. And my hope, by implication, is that it's yours too. The flawed and filled with imperfect people. Here's what Paul's going to tell us in this text. The church... Our community of faith. As imperfect as we are, as weak as we are, is the showpiece in all the cosmos. Our community, our being a group of people is the showpiece of God's glory, of his love, of his grace, and of his wisdom. I was a young guy needed a lot of maturing. Please understand I understand I'm probably the biggest part of the problem. This is why since then I've been wholeheartedly devoted to the church and I will be until I see Jesus face to face. Paul's been building in the text. Chapter 1, verse 3, through chapter 2, verse 10, he's talking about the supernatural, miraculous transformation in us as individuals. Chapter 2, verse 10, all the way through the chapter 3, and we'll pick it up after Christmas... He's talking about us. He's talking about the church. He's talking about God's design for taking all these individuals and who he's done this radical transformation and putting them into a group of people that live radically. 2.10 through the end of chapter 3. In many ways, I think there's a crescendo from chapter 2, verse 11 to the text we're dealing with today. And this text was key in my recommitting to the church. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In whom we all have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is for your glory. Father... Father, oh, this text is beautiful. It's filled with significance. It's filled with meaning. I pray for me and for all of us here, Father, that you'll give us a more clear sense of your design and intent with us, the church. I pray that you would give us a deeper passion for your son, and I pray that you would give us a deeper passion for this community, for us being what you designed us to be, the showpiece of your glory, of your wisdom, of your love, and of your grace. Us! It ah, seems crazy, Father. seems nuts to me. But this was your design. That's who we are. Because of you. Because of Jesus. So take us deeper today. Into your love. And into our appreciation and experience of who you've designed us collectively, corporately, as a community to be, I ask us in Jesus' name, Amen. So I'm going to give you three reasons out of this text why I. Now you noticed I switched from first person plural to first person singular to a third person first person plural here. We, you guys all saw that, yeah. This is why we're committed. I'm just making certain assumptions today here. Yeah, this is why we are committed to this family. Faults, weaknesses. Here's why we're committed. Because no one is beyond the power of God's grace. Amen. And the church is the instrument and the vehicle. God's primary design for people experiencing this. Of this gospel, now when we think of the gospel, we think of primarily Jesus' death, resurrection, and we're going to celebrate that this morning because that's what unites us. But the gospel is what Paul's been telling us from chapter 1, verse 3, all the way to here. How in this whole process, for those of us who treasure Christ, when did it begin? Before the foundation of the world. When does it end? In eternity. Now, there was a place in here in about 1982 that I came to faith. Two-year window, 282, 83. I can't tell you exactly when from God's side of it I crossed over. I believed I crossed over in an instant, but I can't tell you when that was. But the gospel is this whole thing. He's been talking about the gospel through the whole book. Includes the foundation, which is Jesus' death and resurrection. But the gospel is all of this. That's what he's writing about. I was made a minister. This, for Paul, is just earth-shattering. He was made somebody who got to communicate the truth of what he's been writing about. According to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Don't ever miss Paul making choices, volitionally. He made choices. Don't ever miss that. But he understood in his making choices, God was doing a work. And so everything he's experiencing is ultimately due to God's glory and his power. He just recognized it. His ability to even recognize it was God working To me, though, I'm the very least of all the saints. Elsewhere he writes the least of the apostles, here he writes the least of the saints. I don't believe this is hyperbole for Paul. I believe he means it. He was the guy that was in charge of getting rid of Christianity in charge of it. He's the guy that led the march to get rid of Christianity. We don't have a record of him actually killing people, but we do have a record of him giving the approval for Christians to be killed. And yet God chooses him Can you imagine Barack Obama being voted the chairman of the Republican National Committee? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine one of the Hamas leaders being made the prime minister of Israel? But that's what God did. When he says the least, he means it. Paul's given revelation that is more full than any other biblical author. It's all from God, it's all from Jesus. That he was chosen to be the recipient of more developed understanding of God than anybody else in history. Why? Because God wanted us to see the power of his grace. That there's absolutely no one Beyond the reach, the boundaries of his love and of his forgiveness. And if you're still wrestling with stuff in the past and thinking I haven't been good enough Christian, for pity's sake, give it up and give it to Jesus. And quit hanging on to it. It's stupid. Because he died to take all that stuff away, and Paul got it. Because I'm convinced in his mind, he was the worst. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles. He's trying to destroy the church. And now he becomes the guy promoting Jesus and the church. Come on. Who else would do that? Who else would make the guy that is most opposed to it the leader? Only God. Only God. And Jesus is the boundless source of hope, meaning, and joy for our hearts. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable Riches of Christ, unsearchable. Hey, those of you at home, good morning, nice to see you. I beat Johnny the last time we played, if you weren't listening early. Johnny will not, however, ever reference golf going forward. So I want you to think, give me some names of some people that are rich, really rich, stinking rich. huh? There you go, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Bill Gates. Now, now here's the cool thing about riches. Riches are resources that can provide a lot of stuff. How many of you like resources? May I see your hands? How many of you like more resources? I love resources. Resources are wonderful because they can get you all kinds of stuff. And so people are looking for resources because they want a bunch of stuff because the understanding is it'll provide more joy. And more resource usually gives more options and there's usually some correlation with joy. I love what Paul's saying here. Now, he's not talking about material riches here. He's talking about spiritual riches. And he's saying in Christ, there is this bottomless pit of resources that are accessible by us to find purpose, meaning, happiness. And there's no limit. We're never going to hit the bottom of the resources that God has for us to be happy in Christ. No bottom. So why is it that too many going to church sometimes feel like they're living in poverty? Now, you you, you know, you got these folks out there preaching, God wants you to be financially rich and never get sick. You've heard that one? They got it half right. God wants us to be happy. Here they just go, the unsearchable riches, they're money. That's not what Paul's talking about. Prosperity gospel is from the pit of hell. It gets half of the gospel right. God wants us to be happy. The happiness is not rooted in stuff. But he's given us all this stuff in the world to enjoy. He wants us. as a gift to his. He wants us to enjoy it. And the temptation becomes that we think it's going to provide more happiness than it will. So why do we miss out on some of the spiritual riches? It feels like to me because we're still just wrestling with too much of a focus on the material riches. And we maybe never really known somebody firsthand that's enjoying the unsearchable riches and hung with them and seen the joy and the peace, the contentment, the happiness they have, even when materially things are in the toilet. Ah, this is good. And Paul's sitting there. I was trying to kill people for preaching this. And now God has made me the primary spokesperson. So how do we access the unsearchable riches of Christ? The first is believe that it's available. I get in Wisconsin, David Bartosik, who's the pastor there, my son-in-law, invited me to a small group he was leading. He's been there three years and they're talking about joy in Jesus. And you know what is so fun to see this group of eight guys wrestling with joy in Jesus. Now, most all of them except two of them had gone to church their whole life. And I know this feeling because I've experienced it in just about every church I've gone. Well, every church I've gone to. I've been told, quit talking about joy so much. We've had people leave here because I talked about joy too much. The biblical idea, the truth of my experience, we can't stop talking about it. But for us to experience these, these unsearchable riches, first of all, we've got to believe that they're there and they're accessible for us and we can have them. I grew up in the church, it's not the sense I got. Nice people, good people. Then we pray. God's got to do his thing. If you go back to the first chapter, Paul prayed for this reason. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You want more of the riches of Christ? We keep growing in our understanding of who God is. I thought I was saved growing up. I was not. I asked Jesus into my heart in first grade. I don't think there was any OST ongoing spiritual transformation until I came to faith in seminary. I wasn't even interested in them. I wasn't even looking for it. I'd got my get out of hell car, free hell get out of hell free card. I thought I was good. Join Jesus. I mean, we sang a song about that, but, I mean, we never expected that. People didn't live like that. Here's the key. First of all, believing exists. Paul is writing to Christians. What does he pray for them? I pray that the Father of glory, you're already a Christian. You already treasure Christ. Here's what I'm praying. May give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray that you'll grow in your understanding of who God is and how great he is. Now, I've been doing this for 40 years. Let me tell you, the joy just keeps increasing. And I haven't found the limits of his riches yet. If I do, I will tell you. Reading this, you know how many times I've read Ephesians? It's my favorite book. Every time I read it, I get a little bit more of his richness. But God's got to do his thing. My prayer for me, my prayer for you, every day. Help us grow in our understanding of you. We're going to get to the end of chapter three. I pray that your love may grow in its height, in its depth, in its width, and in its breadth. You already love Christ. There's more for you. But where's it rooted? Understanding God more thoroughly. It starts here and then goes here. And if it's not here, it's really not here. Are you following me? If it's actually in our heads, then it goes to here. That's the biblical idea. I had so much right head knowledge, just hadn't gone here. You know when it became fun? just keeps growing. Having the eyes of your hearts. I love that phrase. Paul is a brilliant writer. In the revelation and knowledge of him, so that the eyes of your heart are enlightened. Head and heart inseparably linked. That's the truth of the gospel. Got to believe that it's available to us. Then we're going to ask God, Lord, give me more. I can't do this on my own. I need you to help me. And then what what you dealt with last week, we read. Just going to slam that down. You know I wanted to slam that down? Do you see how I caught myself? This is the Holy Spirit at work in front of you because I wanted to do this. But I didn't because the Holy Spirit there grabbed me and stopped me. And Brian dealt with this last week. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, he's on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to you for to to me for you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation. Paul got mystery that nobody else got. Jesus had it, but while he was on the earth, he didn't reveal the depth. He didn't he didn't reveal the depth of this or the magnitude of it. Think about God's plan. He always uses people. Could Jesus have revealed this stuff? The answer to that is yes, but he didn't. God chose to use Paul. He just ties his glory to us, as I have written briefly. When he says that, there again, Brian was yelling. They're thinking of the letter that they're holding in their hands. When you read. Do I need to explain what those three words mean to anybody? When you read. God decided to give a special revelation about all this through words. Now, if you really don't like to read and you live in this day and age, you can get an audio, listen to it. When you read you get a sense why we're so excited about helping people read the Bible and become first-handers? We're going to do it together, but when you read this thing, then you can perceive the insight that Paul had been given supernaturally by God. have got to believe that it exists. Pray for God to give us more of it, and then we take some initiative we read it individually, we read it collectively, we, 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 we read it in small groups, we read, we talk about it, because that's how God gives us a fuller picture of himself, that's how he gives us access to the unsearchable riches of Christ. Come on now, we're going to spend all our lives until Jesus comes back looking for more of the riches of Christ, thankful for the material riches, but that's not what really makes us happy. We get to use our material riches to invest in helping people experience the spiritual riches. How good is that? Okay, now to the big idea of the text. (laughs) God has chosen the church, the invisible church. All believers. Made up of smaller churches to the be, be the people in and through whom he displays his grace and love. And this is why I'm wholeheartedly devoted to the church. This is why we are wholeheartedly devoted to the church. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. This grace was given to preach the ungentiles gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This mystery revealed to Paul specifically. In case you were wondering who this God is, he's the God who created everything. Just a little help. So that, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God. His grace, his glory, his love, his forgiveness, wisdom. Through the church, the genius of God's plan might be made known. To human beings, unmistakably implied here, So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be now made known to the rulers and authority in the heavenly places. Here's what Paul's saying. It ought to be obvious to the people in the world, but this is so genius, so masterful, such a work of God that the spiritual beings are sitting out there going, Look at those people down there. Look at how they're living, look at how they're loving. Do you see the joy that's in them individually and collectively? That God is genius, that God. That's who we are. Understand why I'm devoted to the church? This is how he decided to do it. So that through the church, this community of faith, all these communities of faith, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Now, going back to that big idea, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. This has been the plan all along From before the foundation of the world, it got realized the church is rooted, founded, and grounded in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is the guy that made this all happen. Jesus is the guy that makes it all work. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence to God through our faith in Jesus. Doesn't this just get you fired up? This is when you sit here and you go, I could listen to this sermon for four hours and still feel like we were just getting started because it is so good. And He began in 3 verse 1. If you remember, he's finishing a thought that he started back there. I'm a prisoner for your sake. And so he finishes here this with, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you which is for your glory. The church is the showpiece of God. So, I want you to think of the whole entire cosmos as a grocery store. Can you do that? Now, My my brother David, his first job out of school was working for General Mills. I learned so much about business from my brother, I didn't know anything. First of all, I learned why my, my General Mills, uh, my, why my, my Wheaties cost so much. He had a company car. He got to drive all over. No wonder. We're paying for our groceries for that company car. It never occurred to me. But he talked about when you go into a grocery store, part of what his job was to find the best shelf space. And I remember him saying the end was the best and you want to put stuff at eye level so you got all these different people out there competing to get this shelf space. No wonder this stuff costs so much, we're paying all these people. So you're back to thinking about the whole cosmos as God's creation, right? Got it? His glory everywhere. But if the cosmos is a grocery store and you look at when you first walk in the store at eye level, right there that everybody's gonna see, that which the make sure he wants everybody to see, what is that what's right there on that shelf? Us. why we're wholeheartedly devoted to the church. Here's how I'd summarize the mystery. The church is the family of God where everyone, no matter our ethnicity, our past, the depth of our mistakes, the extent of our inadequacies and sin, are wholeheartedly accepted. This is the group. This doesn't happen anywhere else, folks. Loved and embraced in Jesus, and it is our joyful community that is the showpiece of God's glory, grace, and wisdom. We are his chosen people. Gets it from Jesus. Paul just develops it. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also sort to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Paul got revelation that more fully developed what Jesus said. Jesus was more than capable of sharing it. God's plan was to reveal this deep truth through Paul. He wasn't divine. So implications. The church is the most powerful, influential, and significant community that will ever be. It's my conviction. Is it obvious in the world doesn't make it not true. No organization. Some of you guys remember the name Chuck Colson. He's one of my heroes. He's one of my spokespeople for the faith. He's with Jesus now. He was Nixon Richard Nixon's hatchet man. He did a lot of dirty work and then he came to faith when he was waiting to go to prison for Watergate. Changed his life. He'd been in the central part of government and after he came to faith, guess where he committed his life to the church. Though he knew government and he knew that stuff, he committed his life to the church. The church is filled with broken, flawed, imperfect people who are loved and being supernaturally transformed by God. (sighs) Get more of his unsearchable riches, And the church is filled with broken, flawed, imperfect people who are entrusted by God to display his wisdom, glory, grace, and love. Our priorities, we're gonna enthusiastically pursue Jesus individually and collectively. That's what we focus on. Do we have them already? Yeah. We're stinking greedy to get more. Because that's the key to everything. In our marriages, in our homes, with our neighbors, in church, getting more of Jesus. We're going to passionately seek unity in Jesus all things. Another one of my favorite authors is a guy named Dallas Willard. He talked about the challenge with evangelical churches is we confuse the vessel and the treasure. The treasure is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The vessel's all the stuff we use to point to Jesus. Are you with me? Church services, preachers, carpet. We, you know, life groups. These are all structures. They're all vessels. In evangelicals, we just get more excited about the vessel than we should. Now, let me tell you, in my mind, I think there's a high correlation with people focused on the treasure that see the need of vessels, but it never becomes, I got to have my vessel. Because they get the unity is more important. We can talk about carpet. We can... I've had several people tell me they like me preaching here better than when I stand. I do this, and then I have people telling me they prefer me walking around. Now we love preferences. Music, everything. We love you sharing our preferences. Don't misunderstand. we love you sharing our preferences, but, but for people who are focused on the treasure, we get that we have to have vessels. Vessels are a part of this. We want to have the best vessels we can, but hey, they're vessels. The treasure is Jesus. The treasure is our love in one another. If we talk about preferences, we understand their preferences. and we get the unity and love, that's what we'll never compromise on. And none of us are gonna exist, I hope, ever on this vessel for me this way. Because it's about the love. Remember Jesus saying this? Here's how Jesus didn't say, Here's how people are going to know. Because of the color of carpet you have in the worship center. Did you see that? By your love for one another. So are united. Are we going to offend and hurt one another? Yes. What do we do? Will you forgive me? And when somebody asks you to forgive them, what do you do? You forgive. And then we go on. That's how it works. We're going to joyfully and authentically live out the joy in Jesus with those who desperately need to meet him. We leave here every Sunday and we're sent out to go bring this good news to others. Now our hope is that you also want to invite people here to be an experience and to have an experience with this practice. we got a concert next week for us But particularly to be a place where you can get people comfortable with the church. They will not listen to me. Sharia has forbidden me from going anywhere near the stage when there is music being done. But it's all rooted in Jesus. So we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper today. Because the foundation of who we are individually and who we are collectively... Is Jesus it's the eternal plan of God that he brought to fruition through Jesus he loves us so much that he sent Jesus to pay the price for us to redeem us to forgive us to provide us with a joy a purpose and a peace that can be found no place else this jesus who has unsearchable spiritual riches we're never going to get to the end of it We're going to commit to pursuing that until he calls us home or he returns. I keep trying to grow so that I can minimize the shock in terms of what I'm going to see when I see it. I know it's going to be glorious. I'm going to go, I still saw so little, but I'm trying to minimize that a little bit. I'm going to ask you to come forward and grab the symbol of his body and his blood. I'm going to ask you to take those things back to your seat. And then we're going to participate in them together.